This is the Canadian Tax Podcast, episode number three, hosted by me, Cameron Ware. Good morning. Happy Monday. It is the week of March 15th, and like usual, we'll start with some news stories. Item number one, CBC's uh, $8 million tax bill headline. So we'll, we'll link to the... Uh, this one in the show notes here, but CBC article from either today or yesterday. I'm not sure. I've seen two published dates. Story about a taxpayer back in 2018 had a $8 million tax bill, uh, showed about $17 million in income and owed $8 million tax on that. And because of the, <laughs> because of the dollar amounts were, were so outrageous, uh, the taxpayer in this case assumed that it was fake. All the paperwork she was getting was fake. Uh, assumed that the phone calls she was getting from CRA was fake and just ignored it. And after a certain amount of time, uh, she went to pay a bill and had no money. CRA had frozen her bank accounts and garnished pretty much everything that she had. And um, yeah, so I mean, you got two options here. I mean, if, if you're not, I, I'm the first to to say, you know, anytime you get a phone call saying it's the tax guys, look into it. Uh, there's so there's so much scam. There's so many scams, so much nonsense going around right now that uh, I mean, even around here, we get a phone call from CRA. Oftentimes, we'll double check, we'll look into it, make sure that it is what it is. I mean, it's just a sort of a matter of protocol at this point because there is so much uh, nonsense out there. But I mean, it's pretty easy. Log into uh, just go into your my account and check the numbers there. And if they agree with what, if online shows and matches the paperwork that you've either received in the mail or receiving via phone calls, you have a problem. Uh, separately, this is why I just, I kind of joke and say, this is why you have an accountant. Uh, yes, a lot of stuff you can handle yourself. And yes, I'm a big proponent of doing that. But at the same time, if you have a, a, a CPA, you have someone, it's peace of mind. You just... You, you get the paperwork, you call them up, you say, hey, what is this? Just handle it. And we will look into it, make sure everything's taken care of. Uh, I mean, that's our job. That's, it's what we do. Um, all, all, I mean, in my case, I would just gone in to represent a client, pull up your numbers and said, oh, look at that. And uh, know that we have an issue, needs, needs fixing. Ultimately, in the end, um, reviewing the CPA article here, uh, or uh, excuse me, the uh, CBC article, the taxpayer wound up going to a CPA and had it looked into and, um, you know, it went, went from there, notice of objection filed, all that good stuff and eventually was fixed. But in the meantime, I mean, we all know CRA does not move quickly. So how long do you have to deal with frozen bank accounts for in, in situations like this? So, um, I guess point is, you know, it's like the joke that we say around here, trust, but verify, we'll believe you, but we'll also look into it. So, I mean, you know, CRA sends you some paperwork. Yeah, we'll believe it, but we'll look into it too. And oftentimes, you know, you'll find it's fake, but other times, like in this case, uh, you see it, it, it leads to big problems. So moving on last week, uh, I believe Friday broke 800,000 Canadians are locked out of their CRA, my accounts again. So this goes back to the February 22nd, uh, I think it was February 20th, uh, maybe it was, yeah, anyway, February, uh, data breach, no, no one was hacked, no one, you know, no direct identity theft here. What happened was some, uh, let me bring up my uh, notes here if I can 
find them, reach across the desk, pull up uh, CRA's M4, uh, excuse me, CBC. Is this CBC? Yeah, this one was a CBC article, but it's been all over the place. Um, it goes back to back in February, user IDs, quote, uh, user IDs and passwords were not compromised as a result of the breach of CRA's online systems. Rather, they may have been obtained by unauthorized third parties and through a variety of means by sources external to CRA. So what they're saying is what happened here, people's info was leaked on the dark web. It's basically a list of user IDs and passwords that was leaked over over on the dark web, which I'm not going to get into it here, but basically it's, you know, some hackers, and they've got some info. So as a precautionary measure, uh, CRA's locked these 800,000 accounts, which unfortunately is going to be a problem because we are in the middle of tax season. And I mean, CRA has been pushing for uh, paperless stuff for I don't know how long. And oftentimes my account is the only way that uh, taxpayers access their information. So this is going to be a problem for quite a few Canadians. I mean, it, it's... I, I, I hate to say it's not the end of the world, um, but it is a big deal, and it's once again a headache, and it'd be nice if CRA get their act together and solve this. Uh, fortunately, they say it should be fixed by about uh, March 22nd, is their thoughts. So they did provide a quick and dirty way to possibly fix or get access. Is The, the method that was compromised was logging in directly to CRA using your username and a password. A workaround that likely, I haven't tried it myself, uh, but it likely will work is instead of authenticating using your CRA username and password, log in using your online banking information. So what that means is CRA has partnered with uh, the Canadian banks, a bunch of them, not just the big five, but whole whole schwack of them. CRA will piggyback off of your online banking login info. So basically what you're trying to do is you log in using your online banking credentials, whatever those are. Your bank says, yes, this is, you know, John Smith or Jane Smith. We think this is, you know, we, we confirm that this is that person. The bank then redirects you to CRA and says, yes, CRA, this is the correct person. CRA then allows you in. So if you are locked out, you might be able to get in using your banking info. Again, I haven't confirmed whether that's 100% fixed or not, but I do know that it is a, 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 a method that works to, uh, to get access in lieu of using your CRA credentials. Uh, next item, we've got some new guidance regarding uh, incorrect CERB T4As. So last week, we, I discussed how there were some T4As that were going out, and not just one-off items. I think this happened quite frequently, actually. Uh, more than one, anyway. Uh, either taxpayer received CERB and said, wait a minute, I shouldn't have got CERB for whatever reasons, and the taxpayer went to repay it. That repayment did not show up on the T4A that was issued to the taxpayer. Um, separately, some taxpayers have sent in installment accounts, which, uh, excuse me, installment payments, which have showed up as CERB repayments, which is, of course, incorrect too. So I mentioned last week, you know what, just wait don't do anything yet. Hold off because it's likely that CRA is going to issue some uh, guidance. And sure enough, March 10th of last week, CRA, I think it was the, either the day or the day after uh, that podcast went live, uh, CRA issued some new some new guidance. So just reading through um, their, their bulletin here, again, the, the link is in the show notes. 
blah, blah, blah. What if there's a mistake? Uh, these matters require prompt attention and these individuals should contact the CRA. CRA agents are prioritizing the resolution resolution of issues with individuals, T4As. Uh, an amended slip will be issued. Blah, blah, blah. They talk about, you know, beginning of March 10th. Individuals can periodically check my account. Oh, wait, unless, of course, you're locked out. But anyway, I probably shouldn't slip that dig in there, but it is what it is. CRA here comments. They said, you know, should you uh, should you file your, your uh, 2020 income tax if you're waiting for CRA to uh, issue an amended T4A? CRA says, yes, we encourage everyone to file by the deadline. This will ensure there are no interruptions uh, to benefit or credit payments and helps taxpayers avoid uh, late penalties. What I would suggest here is, uh, again, wait not disagreeing that you need to file, but wait, there's no, it's March right now. There's no need to rush off. You have until April 30th. If you have an incorrect T4A, hold off, wait till it gets fixed. Alternatively, I mean, if, if uh, you're not worried about things like uh, benefit payments, things like that, figure out your tax, tax balance in advance. Uh, send in your installments right now. Make sure your tax balance is covered. Uh, you Effectively, you're sitting in a refund position. And then you can hold off and, and wait indefinitely. However, and there's a big asterisk there. Make sure there isn't anything else that's outstanding. Uh, for example, a T1135. Those have to be filed by April 30th. No, no exceptions. So even if you're paid up, even if you're sitting in a refund position and you're waiting for this amended T4, uh, T4A, if you have a T1135, you don't, you, that needs to be filed by the 30th. So the... I would say worst case scenario, if you have a, a incorrect T4A, wait until April 30th at the latest. If there still isn't anything issued by then, go ahead and file with uh, the correct numbers as far as you're concerned and go from there. At least then you'll have met the April 30th filing requirements for, for most people. Uh, there won't be any late penalties, anything like that. So uh, that, I think, will conclude the news. We'll move on to a uh, few questions here that uh, that people had. I'm uh, just going to throw this stuff on the floor, move on to my questions paperwork. First question, I'm just bringing my paperwork up here. The SIBA loan, the uh, Canada Emergency Business Account Loan. That was the first, it was $40,000. They've upped it to $60,000. Is a loan advanced by the federal government? A portion of it is basically 25% of it is is uh, refundable. And taxpayer was wondering how do they account for the refundable portion of the loan proceeds? And just fun fact, we're at uh, Canadian government is at 32 billion in funds advanced via that program. So it's a fairly sizable program. It's got out to a lot of businesses. I know around here. A lot of businesses took the uh, took the loans. Wants to know how to account for the uh, debt forgiveness. So there are a couple IT bulletins released. Uh, if we look at the technical interpretation 2020-086146E5, uh, also 2020-086293. 6 uh, You can just Google these. I've got something here from uh, Walters Kluwer, also from the uh, BC Charter Professional Accountants. There's a whole expose in these things, but basically to summarize, 
you are supposed to include the forgivable portion of the SIBA loan in your income in the year that you received your loan. So this is a little bit awkward. So I wanted to go over this again. I'm just going to um, skip to some notes I have here. And I'm not going to get into paragraph 12, sub 1, blah, 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 blah. It'll make your eyes roll, and I get that. I mean, we're not doing that technical review here. You just want to know, hey, how do I deal with this? If your business receives the entire 60,000 SIBA loan in 2020, you must include the 20 or uh, excuse me the $20,000 forgivable portion of that loan in income in the 2020 tax year. Separately, you say, well wait a minute, what if I don't even make use of the forgivable portion? What if it takes me some time to pay it back? CRA apparently doesn't care. They feel that, no, 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 no. You received this. You have a benefit. You need to include it. They get into why in the technical interpretations. Uh, I don't, I mean, personally, I don't necessarily agree with maybe their logic, but it is what it is. It's right there in the tax act. So to our earlier question, what if you don't repay it on, on, uh, by the uh, December 2022 deadline that allows you to get the debt forgiveness? What if you say, you know, it takes me four years to pay it back? If the taxpayer repays the entire loan in 2024, the taxpayer would deduct $20,000 in 2024. So what's happening there is CRA is saying, look, if you receive this loan in 2020, you have to include $20,000 in income for the year. Now, they do allow a provision. They say, hey, we'll allow you to, to elect. By my way of thinking, it's not an election at all. You're either going to show $20,000 as income, um, I, you know, grant proceeds, something like that. Or they say, well, we'll let you elect and you can reduce your, uh, your expenses. So, for example, let's say you've got, I think the technical term is non-deferrable expenses, but let's say you have $20,000 in expenses, you can offset or rather not claim $20,000 in expenses. Functionally speaking, it's exactly the same thing. You're still increasing your taxable income by $20,000, whether you show that as an income line item or whether you show it as a reduction in expenses, your net taxable income is still going to include that $20,000. Now, again, that is for, or that's assuming you've taken a $60,000 loan, 20,000 of it is, uh, is forgiven the it, it's awkward it's really awkward because again you're going to show this as income even though you haven't taken advantage of the uh actual refund the the loan forgiveness separately if you don't actually qualify for loan forgiveness well the the problem then becomes well in the year that you finally pay off the uh the loan or or you know uh, it gets repaid that's the year that you say, oh, well, see back, you know, in 2020, I showed all this income. I didn't actually have that and I want to deduct it now. So in the year that the loan is repaid, you then deduct that 20,000 20, or, or, you know, add it as, um, uh, I guess, a Schedule 1 fix possibly. I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head. But the point is it's, it's awkward because you're going to show 20,000 in ghost income that you're never actually going to recover, uh, at least not in that tax year. And you're going to pay tax on that, which a lot of these businesses that took the uh, the SIBA money, uh, it's you know it's for income that they didn't have in the first place. That's why they're taking the loan. And now CRA is saying, well, you took this loan, you're now taxable on it. And even though you're never going to qualify for the refundable portion, uh, loans aren't going to be 
be repaid by the end of December of 2022. Anyway, it's just, it's really awkward, but I thought it was something that, uh, that needs to be pointed out. If there's any, I don't want to call it a silver lining, but if, if there's any, you know, if I can add one more comment, like we've seen with any of these COVID programs, CRA seems to change their mind depending on which way the wind is blowing that day. So maybe they'll change this. I don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty here. It doesn't follow, um, you know, GAP or IFRS rules as far as I can tell. I could be incorrect and maybe someone can write in and tell me where I'm offside here. But like I said, it for, for the average Canadian small business to be told, hey, you got this loan proceeds and even though you have no income for the year because you've been shut down, actually you're going to show at least $20,000 in taxable income. Have a nice day. I think that's, uh, I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, moving on, next question. Individual is, uh, works as a uh, consultant in the U.S. Taxpayer says here, I provided a bunch of services in October, November, December of 2020, but did not receive payment for November and December work until January of 2021. However, this bit from this web page on how to fill out blah 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 basically is he or she's searching around the internet trying to get uh what i call internet tax advice some of it's good some of it's not so good but it's an easy way to get uh, get confused individual also says how how should i figure the exchange rate uh do i use the the uh bank of canada yearly average do i use what do, what do i do for exchange rate on my us income here so Easiest way to think of, well, we'll break this down in two parts. Sorry to back up. You want to know how do you deal with uh, income or um, work that you did October, November, December, but didn't receive until uh, January of next year. So that's called the accrual method. And I'm not going to get into the accounting nerd stuff. Easiest way to think of it, it's based on when you did the work, not when you get paid. So if you were working November, December, October, whatever, pre-January, that work and your fees associated with that work is included in your 2020 self-employed income. Even if you weren't paid for it, it's still included. So that's that's your accrual method. Uh, as for the, the foreign exchange, the US dollar currency, you you have a uh, there's more than a few options but to to make it really simple the textbook answer is use the spot rate on the day that you receive the funds when you're actually paid use whatever the rate was on that day however if you have a whole pile of transactions or or um you know payments that you received you can go by uh, an average method as well you just need to be consistent. You can pick an average rate, but you have to be consistent. You can't cherry pick, well, on this date, the rate was the best, but on this date, it wasn't. And, you know, this year, I want to use the average rate, whereas next year, I want to use the spot rate. You have to be consistent. Pick one, stick to it. It is what it is. So that's the answer to the, the foreign exchange question is uh, there's, there's a few methods. If you're not doing a lot, use the spot rate. Hard to argue with that. Uh, you're welcome to use an average rate, but it is open to interpretation. So just be aware of that. Lastly, we have uh, another individual, self-employed taxpayer says, I'm a sole proprietor who uh, makes under 30000 I have two contractors and I paid them for marketing and design services. Where uh, or, or what expense category do I put these expenses under? They are freelancers. Uh, they have a great degree of autonomy. Uh, I noticed that it doesn't go under salaries. 
or wouldn't go under salaries. I, I, I just need a way to, to find where this went. Uh, end, end quote or end question there. If you, if you jump to your T2125, your, your schedule of self-employed income, there's a line number 9270. It's called other expenses. That is sort of your catch-all for uh, where you put stuff that isn't specifically detailed in the, uh, the, the, the line items above it, if you will. I mean, you've got you know, repairs and maintenance, office, professional fees, the, the usual generic stuff. But for one officer specifics, you have this, this other line item. Um, in my tax software, I think most tax software actually, because I know profile and uh, tax prep as well if you're in the, in the business. But point is, you can add as many lines as you want there. You can fit just tons and tons and tons of things in there. But one thing to, to, uh, that, that was interesting about that one, and, and I discovered that I'd heard about it, but I had my own um, specific query this, this last tax season. Um, that line item, 9270, goes into CRA as one number. So if on your tax return, you've got it showing as, you know, uh, subcontractors and this and that and the other thing and a bunch of weird one-offs. Uh, they don't show up on an individual basis on CRA's end. It just shows as one one gross number on the 9270. And what sometimes happens if the number is material enough to uh, get past or, or for CRA's robots to to flag it, uh, an agent will call and say, hey, you know, you have that uh, 90, line 9270 on the T2125. Can you break down what expenses that consists of? And maybe they've fixed that this year behind the scenes. I don't think so. I mean, looking at the most current uh, 2125, it doesn't look like that's been dealt with. But just one thing to pay attention to is if that number is really big, you may or may not get queried on it, not because you're a bad person, but because CRA systems can't see what that number consists of and they just need a bit more clarity. So back to the, the listener's question, wants to know where, where to report subcontractor expenses on the T2125. Um, you're going to go down to line number 9270. You're going to write in subcontractor expense. You're going to put that number there and that's that. So... Uh, with that, we'll wrap things up for this week. Uh, like always, if you have any questions, send them to questions at canadiantaxpodcast.ca. Find us on Twitter. This is Canadian Tax Podcast. Thanks for listening. This commentary is for general informational purposes only and deals with complicated and time-sensitive info that may not apply to your situation. Tax rules are always changing and this information may not be current. Tax is complicated. This information is not tax advice. Don't rely on this info to make tax decisions. Hire a professional to help you. For more info, see canadiantaxpodcast.ca slash disclaimer. <laughs>